jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered for Soaring through the air! High-flying Slovakian! Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse! And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. Our days out at the State Fair are over. We are into game mode. Syracuse, Western Michigan kicking off the 2018 season tonight out in Kalamazoo. 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to get involved. Don't forget you can text us. Or call us over the weekend and leave a message on our text line. That's 315-288-0644. So if you're watching the game tonight, something happens you want to react to immediately. Yes. You can give us a call on that text line. And uh, we can play back your comments on Tuesday. Not Monday because of Labor Day. On Tuesday. We'll be back Please call us. uh, Say whatever you want. Anything. And we can censor it. We can do whatever to make it safe for air. Say whatever you want as the game is going on. And then uh, we'll we'll play some of our favorites back on on Tuesday. And we've got a couple of guests lined up for you today. Our good friend Dave Ryan will be on the television call tonight on the CBS Sports Network. Dave, of course, an SU grad. I actually interned for him uh, back in the day during his time at Channel 3 in Syracuse. He'll be calling the Syracuse-Western Michigan game. So we'll have Dave on in about 15 minutes from now. And then Mike McCann, another graduate of the Newhouse School of Communications. we're everywhere. We're everywhere. I'm part of Dave's coaching tree. Mike McCann is part of my coaching tree. All right. He's uh, at the CBS in Kalamazoo, Michigan. He'll join us at uh, the top of the next hour, about an hour from now, uh, to uh, to give us an update on Western Michigan, where things stand with the Broncos as we head into the season opener tonight. And, of course, we want to hear from you as well at 315-437-7644. There's an excitement in the air today, Seth. We're going yeah, to see is, some football tonight. Yeah, this is a big day. This, this is a really big day. I, I You know, College football season kind of sort of started last weekend. It was like um, it, it was like a, a soft opening, right? There was like one, two games. Uh, there was a game last night. I didn't really watch too much. It, it feels like today, tomorrow, really, this weekend, like I, I am so ready for this. I'm ready to watch real football. I, I'm ready to watch guys hit each other, you know, in, in a way that is not preseason football. I'm ready to watch this Syracuse team that we have expectations of. Like there's so many questions and so many expectations for this team I'm just I'm ready to be done talking about what we think will happen and and kind of get a get a game under our belt, right? Like like I know that the players talk about that, right? Hey, it'll be great to get a game under our belt. And and talking with Alton Robinson last week, um, I said, "How badly do you want to hit somebody who's not your teammate?" And he just had the biggest smile, and he was like, "Words can't even describe that." And and like players say that, but like I feel the same way. Like I want to see this team. Like I I want to see this team on the field and maybe get some answers to some of the things that we are thinking and have been talking about for the last two weeks. 
I didn't watch much of the UConn game last night. I watched enough, though, uh, to know that I feel better about that Week 4 matchup uh, with, uh, <laughs> they with are the not Orange inside the door, uh, Dome. They, they got, got smoked, smoked last night, last night 56 uh, to 17. Now, Central Florida's pretty good. Uh, UConn is not, though. They so I, I, I feel better about that UConn game uh, from a Syracuse perspective. They beat UConn by a wider margin this year than they did last year when they, when they ended up going undefeated. Um, I didn't watch any of that game. I watched... Very little of the uh, Northwestern Purdue game saw enough to know that a Purdue late hit cost them the game. That's about all I. That's about all I got. We had UConn on in the office just because Syracuse plays UConn. So I was like, you know what? We better record this right. game so we have some video uh, at News Channel Nine leading up to uh, that Week Four matchup. Uh, they're not good. No. Um, no. And, and so again, they, we'll talk about that in about a month from now. But. As we look at this matchup tonight, you just said you're tired of talking about what we think we know or what we think we're going to see. I'm going to tweak that question for you as we start okay. the show here. What do you want to see? Like when this thing's over at 9.30 or 10 o'clock or whenever it comes to an end, what are you hoping that that we saw in this first game right. out of the orange? I mean, I think you're hoping for a decisive win, right? Don't leave any Maybe doubt. Maybe I should have Go said at, beside a win. No, but but I I don't. Uh, but I think decisive. Okay. Like I, double I think, digits. Yeah. Like I, I think that you are hoping that they go out and win. Right. Like it's not just like hey they squeak by. Like no, go out and take this game. Like win this thing. Leave no doubt. Like have it decided. Be up at halftime. Be up at the end of the third quarter and just be able to add on. Maybe see Tommy DeVito at, at the end of that game. Um, I don't know how much they would have to be up for that for the coaching staff to want to make that change, but I think that's something you could look forward to. You know, as, as a possibility, I think uh, we will almost certainly see Devito next weekend when Wagner comes in. Um, but I, I think maybe that's on the table. Um, as far as players and formation and strategy, it, doesn't it have to be defensive? Like doesn't doesn't that question doesn't the answer to that question have to be something on the defensive side of the stop ball? Stop the run. Whether that's being able to stop the run, whether that's hey, how how do these linebackers look? Like, are they able to tackle guys? As, as I know, Julian Wiggum brought up as a concern earlier in the week when he was on with us. Like, I think that's got to be the main answer to that question. Is like, hey, let's see what this defense looks like because you you lost three guys and and in a normal year you lose three guys. All right, fine, whatever. But they all played the same position. They were all big-time contributors. Two of them were four-year starters, so one of them a three-time captain. You lost quite literally the heartbeat of that unit last year, and I don't know how they're going to react to that. So can they, you know, can, can they show that they step up? And, and I guess that's the biggest thing that I would want to see. Can those linebackers step up and fill that void that is left by Zaire Franklin and Paris Bennett more so, but also Jonathan Thomas. The biggest thing I want to see tonight, Seth, in all honesty, and I realize it's not sexy, the biggest thing I want to see tonight is I want to see Syracuse control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Sure. I want to see a fourth and one and them just go for it and say, we're going to hand the ball off. We're going to Our guys up front are going to beat your guys up front. We're going to power our way for two yards and pick up the first down and move the chains. Our and, big guys are bigger and better than your big guys. And I want to see on the other side of the ball the same thing. Like I want to see that line wreak some havoc. And I realize that Western Michigan is going to try to run the ball a lot. I want to see Syracuse push into the backfield. And I want to see them stop the run on defense. And I want to see Syracuse be able to run the ball on offense. And yeah. I realize it's not sexy, and that's not necessarily what 
you know, we expect when we think of the Syracuse offense and Dino Babers up tempo, we think of Dungey throwing it all over the field. I want to see them line it up and hand the ball off, and you know, we're going to get five yards on this play, and then go get five yards. Yeah, you know, Steve, that might not be sexy, but when's the last time Syracuse has had a legitimate rushing attack? Right, I mean, do you, do you have to go back to Jerome Smith and Prince yeah, Tyson we Gulley talked in twenty twelve? Yeah, so, I think that's that's you know, a fair comparison. Like that's the last time they've had like a legitimate rushing attack. That's six years, and and I know that you know over that time, okay, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, you know, Jerome Smith came back or Prince Tyson Gulley came back, and, and they had another year. But the last time they were really good on the ground is is again the last time they they were good is that twenty twelve team. You've got to be able to prove that, and and I know I've made this point before, Steve. But this offense, whether it was Baylor with RG3 and, and when it really took off, or Eastern Illinois, or Bowling Green, this offense really gets going, run first, throw after that, right? Run first, throw off the run. And and the last couple of years, Syracuse has been able to get by, and by I mean, when I say get by, they've gone 4-8, and eight, but they've been able to get by and get through games without having any running game, so to speak. And I said last year, let's just stop running the ball and stop pretending because it doesn't work. Like, they've got to be able to prove that they can run the ball because that's really the key to this offense. Like, the key to this offense is let's run the ball first, let's throw the ball off play action, let's throw the ball in third and manageables or second and manageables. We need to gain chunk yardage, right? Coaching perspective. We need to gain chunk yardage on first or first and second downs. Like, they, they've got to be able to run. You know, you go back to, to 2012, you say that was the last time Syracuse had a legitimate rushing attack. The other big difference with that team, obviously we're talking about different you know players, and they've gone through you know a couple of coaches since then. You know, Marone left, and then Schaefer, and now Dino Babers is in here. But the other thing you got to keep in mind is that they were still playing in the Big East. Like, that was a different right. caliber of athlete, and a different... That team was Very. made up differently, right? I mean, that team was, for the most part all about defense, right? It was about, you know, field position and we our defense is going to keep us in the game, quote unquote. And, you know, we're going to try to do just enough on offense. Now, they discovered the whole Ryan Nassib two-minute drill and and so and the offense worked, picked up and right. it, it worked and it got them to a bowl game. But it the, the team was made up differently. And they have they've gotten away from I don't want to say get, gotten away from trying to run the football. They've tried to. They just have not been successful. You feel like this is the first year since 2012, but certainly the first year since Dino Babers has been here, that he has the kind of line in place that he wants and needs and desires yep. to be able to run the football and have some semblance of balance. You don't have to be right. 50-50, but you need to be, I don't know, 65-35. And when Eric Dungy is your leading rusher over the course of a season and he didn't play three and a half games, that is a major concern. Yes, that's not going to work. And and to your point, the offensive line is finally better, right? Good enough. I think they've got seven guys to play five positions. Well, we'll find out tonight I, if they're good enough well, well, but, <laughs> or throughout but, the course of the season. But they should be. Yes, but they, they the, should be. The, right. the point is they should yes. be because they've got seven guys who have played legitimate snaps, six guys who have played legitimate snaps in this system, and one who was a left tackle for three years at Texas A&M and the SEC. So, like, you've got seven linemen who you think could do the job and go out there and play well for you, and that's as important as the running game, uh, the running backs, I should say. Is Dante Strickland a great running back? I don't know. Like I, I don't think that's been proven in his time here. Is Mo Neal a great running back? I don't think that's been proven in his time here. You don't have Abdul Adams this year. Uh, you know he, he's sitting out with his transfer, so you're you're kind of waiting for that next running back. Like I, I think that 
uh, the coach, I, I, I would imagine they would love to be able to play a guy who got recruited to Oklahoma in week one. But but that's not the case right now. You know, they've got to wait for Stri- they've got to get Strickland and Neal going. We've seen flashes out of both of them. Like we've seen big plays. We've seen, you know, legitimate running, rushing ability out of both Strickland and Mo Neal. How do you do it consistently? This goes back to what Dino Babers always says. And, and he's talking about it on a on a whole team perspective. But you can really, you know, uh, micro-focus it down onto each position. Consistently good, not occasionally great. Like, give them 75, 80 yards a game out of each running back, and I think they would take that and, and run in a heartbeat. Like, get get 100-something yards combined, and that is so much better than anything you got out of them last year that, like, that makes your rushing attack that much better. But we, we have no proof that Mo Neal and Dante Strickland can combine for 120 yards a game or 140 yards a game. Yeah, go out and and show us. So that is the big picture item that I'm looking at tonight is that, is controlling the line of scrimmage on on both sides of the ball. In terms of the individual I'm most interested in seeing, um, you know, of course, you know, Dungy and DeVito, and, you know, we've talked about that throughout the course of the last several weeks. But I said when camp opened that the wide receiver I was most interested in seeing was Jamal Custis because of his size. It always is. And, and he, you know, he's got all this potential. He's yet to realize that potential. I think I'm kind of coming around, though, on another one of the receivers. And I think going into tonight, I think the player I'm most interested to see is Devin Butler. And you hear how Dino Babers talks about him and says that, you know, he calls him the bell cow right now. Yep. And and he expects Devin Butler to lead this team in targets. I've seen over the course of the last two years, if you lead this team in targets and Dungy throws it your way a lot, you're going to have a monster year. Ahmed Atawo, year one, and then, of course, Steve Ishmael and Irv Phillips in year two, but strictly Steve Ishmael at the wide right. receiver position, and Irv was just kind of a jack-of-all-trades. It sounds like Devin Butler is going to get a lot of opportunities, especially early in the season. And so while I think Custis has a lot of untapped potential and maybe hasn't realized all of his potential yet, I am interested in seeing him. I think tonight I'm most interested in seeing Devin Butler. This might sound awesome, but can't they both be the guy? And and by this I mean in in two years of Dino Baber's system, I think we've seen this. One guy is going to go crazy. Right, One guy is going to have absolutely ridiculous numbers, and it's going to be an outside receiver. But then there's going to be a slot guy who's going to be really good, too. And it's Brisley Esteem and Irv Phillips. They both did it year one. And then Irv last year, almost exclusively out of the slot, caught 1,000 yards of passes last year. So why can't one of those guys in, in Butler be the outside guy and Custis be the inside guy? We've heard that he's been working on the inside. We've heard that you know he's been working and, and working on getting mismatches against linebackers and safeties, and that might suit him better, right? Essentially using him as a tight end, getting the matchup that a tight end normally gets because he's a huge wide receiver. So you put him in the slot, you get mismatches, and you take advantage of those all day. So yeah, I think Devin Butler is going to be the bell cow, as, as Dino Babers said. He's going to be that guy on the outside. He's going to try and fill the role that Amba Etatawo filled and that Steve uh, Steve Ishmael filled. And he's going to be that guy who, if things go right and if he catches passes consistently, because we all know that's the problem, right? He's got to consistently actually catch the ball. He could go for 1,500 yards, but why can't Jamal Custis be the guy in the slot who also goes for for 1,000? The only thing that would hold me back from saying yes, of course, is that, and I realize, you know, Custis has had some setbacks with, you know, opportunity and injury injury and so on and so forth. He's got 13 catches since he's been here. Right. So... Until he doesn't, yeah, but Amba had like twenty in three years. Then he showed no, up, and I, I know, but he's been in this system and he's been with this coach for a couple of years, and it hasn't worked out. And I know he's been injured as well. I guess that's what 
That's my hesitation, though, with Custis, is I feel like, all right, he's been here. He hasn't shown it yet. Why is he going to show it all of a sudden now, whereas Devin Butler is now getting his first real big opportunity with Syracuse football? And that necessarily, you know, hasn't necessarily been the case with Custis. He's gotten opportunities here and there, just hasn't made the most of those opportunities yet. But to your point, can they have two guys go nuts this year? Because they did Absolutely. last year. Right, and, and they may need to. They may need to. Well, yeah. If the running game is going to be as bad as it was last year, they do. All right. We got to take a timeout when we return. Dave Ryan will be our guest. He's calling the game tonight for the CBS Sports Network. Keep it here. Orange Nation just getting started on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Phone lines remain open the rest of the way at 315-437-7644. You can also text us. 315-288-0644. If you're watching the game tonight and you want to react to something on the spot and you can't wait until Tuesday, you can t- call us on that uh, that text number and actually leave us a message and we'll play back uh, some of the best responses on Monday. Again, that number is 315-288-0644. Steve and Seth with you up until 2 o'clock. We're brought to you in part by the Bill Rapp Superstore. Call us during halftime. Call us after somebody gets hurt and goes out. Whatever you want. You're predicting a, an injury tonight? I don't know. Just hypothetical. Yeah. You would hate to see that, but hypothetically. All right. But, yeah, we'd, we'd like to use this uh, throughout the season. When and Devin game Butler night drops is a perfect, a touchdown perfect pass. time to use it. When Devin Butler drops a touchdown pass, call us. It was Sean Riley last year, that one against LSU. I thought that was Butler also. I think both of them you did. You sure? I think I know Riley did. I think both of them did. Okay, Riley definitely dropped a— Riley hit the big one. A surefire touchdown. Yeah. Uh, you want to do some predictions? I mean, yeah. it seems like a natural I time. I think we've done them, but let's uh, officially get them out there on the on the the register. You know, uh, on the, you know the record, my right. You know my prediction for the season. My prediction for the season: If Eric Dungy starts twelve games, this team is winning six games at least and going to a bowl game. Six and six. That's that's my prediction. Yes. Six and six in a bowl game. I see. I know that's your prediction, and I feel the same way. I think they're going to win six games. I really do. I I think they're going to go to a bowl game. Like, I, but, I really do. I feel a butt coming. Uh, yes, there, there's a, there is a butt coming. Um, everything I've seen out of this football program over the last five years tells me something inevitably will happen. They'll lose a game they shouldn't. They'll get an injury. Something will go wrong. Everything I, everything I've seen about this program in the last five years. So even though I think they'll win six games and I think they'll go to a bowl game. I have a really hard time actually picking that. So I'm going to say they win five. I'm going to say they go five and seven. But I would not be even the slightest bit surprised if they get six. I wouldn't be all that surprised if they do a little bit better, maybe get to seven. I think that's pushing it, but I, I think that that's on the table. But I my my officially official prediction is going to be five. See, that's nonsense. Because at the end of the year, when they win six, you're going to say— I'm not going to take credit. No, you're going to say, not. well, I, I said they no, were going to win I'm, six. I I'm just have predicted it. five. I'm going to own it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I am glad that they uh, that they got to six. I, I think that it is good for the program to get to six. And uh, my official prediction is five wins. That's nonsense. What? My, my, I'm, my, uh, my final thing is I'm five games. I think ultimately it's five. I'm going to hold you to that. That's fine, and I'll be—I'll gladly be wrong when they win six. But I—I—I I, I, I can't come into this season saying, "Oh, they're going to make a two-win jump and they're going to go to six wins and they're going to go to a ball game." Like, yeah, it would be great if they can win six games and go to a ball game for the first time in five years. It would be awesome. 
but everything I've seen since that bowl game tells me they're not going to do it. Everything I've seen since before that season tells me they're not going to do that. I like how Dave Ryan unprompted brought up 2001. We were just talking yes. about this yesterday. And you do have to do a double take, right? When you say, wow, they've had three winning seasons since 2001. Like, that doesn't seem possible. That was 17 years ago. They've had, uh, yes, they've exactly. Had three winning doesn't seasons. It, but doesn't that prove my point? Well, 6-6 like six six isn't a winning season. No, but like... If, for the last 18 years, things have just gone wrong. Yeah. Like things just haven't broken their way. You know, they they they've had three winning seasons in 18 years. That is so unbelievably terrible. I mean, like everything I know about Syracuse football tells me I can't I can't pick them to make that two win jump and go to a bowl game. Do I think they can do it? Yeah, sure. Uh, I I can't pick that because I. I, I've watched this team the last half decade. You were born when? The mid-90s, right? Yes. 94. So essentially, since you've been watching been football, terrible. they have not been yeah. good. They, they've been worse than not good. Well, yes. unless you were watching when you were seven, which is possible. Yeah, but But not most of your life, yeah. Syracuse football has not has been, been good. Bad. Yeah. All right, let's go to the phone lines. 315-437-7644. Scooter in Jamesville. Next up on Orange Nation. Hey, Scooter. Hey, guys. Uh, no, Syracuse is not the only... The team from the ACC opening on the road against maybe a lower conference. Uh, Wake Forest played last night against Tulane on the road, and what I saw of them uh, makes me feel a little bit more comfortable uh, that Syracuse could possibly beat them on the road. They they took uh, they took overtime to beat Tulane last night and could have lost the game. So the, the, the interesting part is just you know we will see how. Other teams, you know, are just names now until we see them on the field. Connecticut got uh, clobbered last night, and I think they go to Boise State uh, uh, next week. And so I just don't see that as a as a as an upset. I can't see Connecticut. I think this is the game Western Michigan is the is the banana peel game for Syracuse this, this year. So, uh, like I said, I think they got two get two 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 games definitely. This one here will be interesting because I just feel that Western Michigan. A little bit better than what we think, and we'll just see if, if Syracuse is up to the challenge. Uh, but basically, uh, I, I, I see I see Syracuse though. I they should win six. Uh, in uh, Carolina, I think it's the, it's going to be the the game that we don't know. I mean, with Carolina at home, how many how many players? You said that the suspensions are all uh, by by when they play Syracuse, only only one person might not be playing. That's right. But one key player is out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go no, go ahead. I just didn't know, you know. Like I said, look at the other teams the next couple of weeks to see how good they are before it's just hard making predictions. But what I saw last night for two opponents, uh, Syracuse is going to be right in those games, and uh, we'll, we'll just see how much Carolina and NC State's another uh, team too. They lost a lot of players, and so I, I just I just see it. Like I said, I think Florida State's beatable. I just we'll we'll see. Uh, I just think Florida State take away their name, take away the brand name, and when it, when it comes into uh, comes into the Curie Dome, uh, just what style of play? It'd be interesting to see where where Florida State's been pro style offense, and uh, Willie Taggart's more spread, you know, spread and have a running quarterback. So we'll we'll see we'll see what system he brings into uh, Syracuse. Yeah, no, it's a great call, Scooter, and I appreciate you checking in. Interesting you brought up, you know, the, the banana peel game is this one. If you were to say, you know, which games on SU's schedule are they supposed to win, I, I do think there's three. I think it's the three he mentioned. It's Wagner, it's UConn, 
and and Western Michigan. I think maybe UNC not is as, in that. I, I put UNC in that category too. Maybe Western Michigan not as much as Wagner and UConn. Like Wagner and UConn to me are are absolute. You should win this game. Tonight is one that again they should win. The line's only five though. Like I, I'm not going to be shocked if they lose. I think they'll win, but I'm not going to be shocked if they lose. But I do think those three are in the category. So you put North Carolina in the category of games you should win. I don't know. As as poorly as Syracuse has played in the ACC since it joined the ACC, I don't know if you can put any conference game in the should win. Like Wake Forest should be a game that you win, but it's on the road and, you know, Wake Forest is has been able to get the better of Syracuse, uh, you know, in, in right. recent years. So I don't know. I if, think the Wake Forest game is going to be challenging. I think they got stuck in a game much like Syracuse very well could tonight that um, is probably more challenging and on the road than you would like to to have to open the season. Right? Like that. That's the takeaway I got from that game. Like I, I don't think Wake Forest is going to be great by any means. I think they're going to be like all right. They're going to make a bowl game probably again like they did last year. But um, you know that I, I think they got stuck in a game that was one on the road and two more difficult than you want an opener to be. And and I, that's what I took away from them going to overtime last night. I got look. I could see Syracuse being caught up in a dogfight for those same reasons tonight. You? Yeah, I think this is going to be a close game. And again, Wake Forest has, has beaten Syracuse the last two years. They put up sixty four on them last year. Right. And again, I know that you know injuries were a thing, but they scored sixty four points in the year before that. You know they beat them in that hurricane. Uh, you know down in in Winston Salem. So I don't know as if we can point to Wake Forest and say that should be a win. It is a road game, and that's why I say the same about North Carolina. It's an opponent that you haven't faced yet in the right. ACC, and Syracuse hasn't had a whole lot of success in the ACC. That's fair. Um, I would not be surprised if tonight's close. In fact, I, I think tonight is going to be a close game. And we'll give I our agree. predictions for tonight at the very end of the show. But six and six in a bowl game for me. You say five and seven. Five and seven just missing out. With a with an arrow trending upward. Yes, exactly. That's that's the good way of putting it. It's a cop out. Oh, come on. Gotta take a break. We'll be back after this. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. Stephen Seth, back with you on a Friday edition of Orange Nation. It is time for today's business as we welcome in our producer, Tommy Hogan. What's up, Tommy? How you doing? Good. What do you got we're for us today? The, we're back in the same room. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been nice. a while, right? A, I like it a lot better like this. Easier for conversation like this. Yes. And it's not 95 degrees well, yeah. like it was a couple days this yeah, week. Yeah, the AC was nice being here with while well, you guys were yeah. out at the fair struggling. Yes, uh, but yeah, we're back in the studio now, and uh, we're getting ready for a game. What do you have for us other than SU football? And I know we've spent the entire show talking SU football for good reason. Give us some other things going on today in sports. So I got a little Yankees news, and I know I mentioned it in my update, but I know Seth has some comments. Maybe you have some comments, Steve. The Yankees have traded for former, former NL MVP Andrew McCutcheon from the Giants. They gave up two minor leaguers. He had about $2.4 million left on his contract for the rest of the year. The Yankees will be paying only half of that. So they still are about $3 million under the luxury tax for the year. So maybe could even make another move by the end of the night. But this is a move that the Yankees had to make. Shane Robinson has been playing a lot of right field. Giancarlo Stanton has now played 83 straight games. Brett Garner has been struggling. So this was a move the Yankees had to make to to get into the September and October stretch. Yeah, I thought they should have made this trade a month ago. I, I really That's did. my question as I, well, why, why I, it didn't happen a month ago. I thought they should have made this trade at the uh, the July deadline. I, I thought this was a move that, that was all too obvious. And, and 
Um, Andrew McCutcheon, for a very long time, has been a very good player in, in the major leagues. And he went out to San Francisco. His numbers are a little depressed uh, offensively because that is such a pitcher's park. His defensive numbers, uh, the metrics probably don't look great because right field in San Francisco is one of the biggest right fields in all of baseball, and, and that's a difficult place to, to play. Uh, but I, I think bringing him to New York putting him in the middle of a pennant race, putting him in a smaller hitter-friendly park in a smaller place to have to defend, I think he's going to be a great, great addition for the Yankees. Um, I don't know necessarily that it says much about Aaron Judge. I don't know that it says much about their thoughts about him. I think that the biggest problem the Yankees had with Aaron Judge is that they said the wrong timeline and knew they said the wrong timeline from the jump. But um, I think it says more about what Tommy mentioned. Giancarlo Stanton has played 83 consecutive games. That is a lot of games to play, um, you know, in a row, especially for somebody like Giancarlo Stanton, who typically misses time. Uh, you know, uh, Brick Gardner has been bad this year. He, he's just not good. So um, getting another outfielder and giving those guys a breather, even once Judge comes back, I think that makes it all the better for the Yankees. All right, so you are the one that hosts Yankees on deck. So I yes. normally defer to you on these baseball items, okay? But when you say I don't think this has anything to do with Aaron Judge, just, just hang on, yeah. just let, just let me say like when I heard about this trade, th- this is what comes to mind for me, okay? And Tommy just said, "Why didn't they make this trade a month ago?" You said, "Why didn't they make this trade a month ago?" If they truly felt, in in my opinion, if they truly felt that Aaron Judge was going to be fine and back soon then I, I don't think they necessarily would have made this trade. He's been out since July 26th. At the time they said three weeks, we all agreed that was not enough time right. for him to come back. But it has been a lot more than three weeks. In fact, he still has pain in that wrist. He's not swinging a bat at all. There is no return in sight. Like There is right. no timetable right now for Aaron Judge. So when I take all of that and I look at this, I say to myself, I think, I'm not saying this is solely about Aaron Judge, but to me, that indicates that they are concerned that he might not come back at all this year or very late, and they need to do something in the interim. See, and I, I took it as, while that might be the case, I took it as more of like they've been playing Shane Robinson a lot more than they would like, Brett Gardner a lot more than they would probably like to um, you know, at this stage in the year, Giancarlo Stanton a lot more than they would probably like to, and they would probably like to, you know, give him a day off every once in a while. Now, that is a byproduct of Judge being out, and they needed to add somebody else into that mix. So why but not? I, so why not bring him out a month ago? Because I think that I think that they were being overly hopeful that Judge would be back in three weeks, rather than the 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 timeline that they should have announced, which the Yankees, which Brian Cashman has said, we knew the timeline the whole time was four to six weeks, but for some reason we said three. And like, that, that's they, my point, though. Right. If he was going to come back two weeks from now, you'd be like, well, it's two weeks from now, like we'll, we'll survive. Well, but I, I think, but but along those lines, Steve, I don't think they expected to be playing Shane Robinson every day for the last three weeks. I, that like that's the part to me that that caught them. Like they didn't, they thought Giancarlo Stanton would have been healthier and able to play right field on a more regular basis than he has. And then, okay, Shane Robinson's playing when he needs a breather. They probably expect Brett Gardner to be playing better than he is right now. Brett Gardner has been just dreadful recently. Um, so I, I, I think that a, a the, the injury magnified those problems, right? The injury and, and not having Aaron Judge, who is your best hitter, and I don't think there's any denying that, but that, I think, magnified the fact that they didn't have anybody else there. And, like, it would have been nice to have somebody else. He's a guy who could play all three outfield positions, a righty bat, a veteran. And at the end of the day, even if Aaron Judge does come back or, or when Aaron Judge comes back, 
I'd like to have Andrew McCutcheon on my bench. It's, it's a right? good move. So, it's a good move. I'm just saying the fact that they made this now opposed to, as you said, three, four weeks ago or whatever the case right. may be, to me that indicates there's not an end in sight. Because if there was an end in sight, then they would, okay, you know, fine, we'll survive another couple weeks, whatever whatever it is. To me, this indicates, man, we got to do something because it, it could be a while before he comes back. That's how yeah. I took it. I think Clint, I mean, Frazier, possible. Clint I, Frazier also had a, a yes. part in this. I think if... They felt that he was going to be coming back a lot sooner than he has, and that's also a reason why he they didn't trade for that's McCutcheon fair. I think July thirty first. That's as fair. Well. Yeah, that's I think a they fair were, point. I think they were hoping Clint Frazier could have been the guy to come up, and and he's just been uh, dealing with the lingering effects of a concussion. And he just started rehab uh, down in Single A, so hopefully he'll be back in a little bit. To add, and with September call ups starting tomorrow, he can be on the roster, so they'll have plenty of outfield help, uh, and hopefully the next two or three weeks. But like you said, Steve, I do think this has some sort of uh, effect of they're a little concerned about Aaron Judge and, and him not coming back as well. And that's why this trade has been somewhat bittersweet for me. Yes, it's nice to have McCutcheon now on the Yankees. I'm a Yankees fan, but I think it had, I think it has something to say about would you, Aaron Judge. Would you be shocked, knowing what Aaron Judge means to this franchise and the future that he has, would you be shocked if they just shut him down just yes. as a precaution? Yes. You would be? Yes. Okay. I, I think that they would. Like they they want him back this year, uh, it, you know it's it's funny because the Red Sox skew everything right, and they're seven and a half games back. They they've still got the second best record in baseball. I don't think they match up that terribly with the Red Sox in a series. So like, it, to to me, yeah, it, it would be ridiculous to to drop Aaron Judge and just say, hey, take the next two months, come back in 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 February, like we'll we'll hit the ground running. It's not like they're just your average wild card team. Like they are the second best team in baseball. Oh, I like know, they, I know you, know you want so them like, back. I know you want them back. But the fact that again, broken wrist to me says okay, when the bone heal, you know, when the wrist heals, you're fine. The fact that he still is having pain and hasn't even like picked up a bat yet, and it's it's what is it five weeks later? Like it's I, about four. Well, it's the thirty first. It happened the twenty yeah. six. It's five yeah. weeks. Okay. I mean, that's yeah. that's thirty five days, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. So, um, I I don't know. To me, that's a. It's it's a I little don't think, alarming. I don't think shutting him down is on the table. Okay. Well, I, I mean, being a Yankee fan, I hope that it's not. I just I don't I don't know. I think they're going to protect their assets. I mean, yeah, you would want to, but I think that they also see that they're close enough, right? I mean, last year they felt they were close enough. They wanted to. They they went out and added at the deadline. This year they felt they were close enough. They went out and added at the deadline. They they gave up for Hap and for Lance Lynn and and to uh, bring in uh, Zach Britton. I, I mean Zach Britton. Um, they went out and did right. They went out and added. They are not. I don't think they're looking to sit back here. I, I think they're looking to go. Uh, you know, add another banner up there. I, I think that they look at this team and say, "Yeah, the Red Sox are there. Yeah, the Red Sox are eight games better than us in the regular season." But we like how we match up. We have a lot of righties to go against their lefty starters, and like we could beat them in a series. And once we get past them, we could beat anybody. Like I, I, I would imagine that's how they're viewing this more so than, "Hey, let's just bring Aaron Judge back next year. Let's re-rack it." And I think if. Aaron Judge is back in two weeks. Let's say I think McCutcheon still would have a route, like a a pretty big role on this team. I would play even, him in left field every day. I, I think I would play him against lefties at the very least. I think Brett Gardner can still. I think he still grinds I out a bat. He may not be hitting, but he he grinds out a bats. He's a he's a Gold Glove left fielder. I would still play him against righties and play McCutcheon against against really good lefties. But I also think the Yankees they 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 had to to make this move and. It was it was it was just something that they, they had to to do going down the stretch and hopefully 
hopefully win this wild card. It game. gives them some depth, and, and I think you know depth. Obviously, this time of year is, is good to have. Yes, Seth? Uh, Brett Gardner in August is hitting sub two hundred with a two seventy six on base percentage. I'm benching him. Uh, I mean, I I just am. I, I he's a streaky guy. I mean, yeah, it, just but one he has, I think, but he has, I don't, I don't he has give up four, on him. He has four weeks a year. He, he's like he's. Uh, I'm I'm benching him when Aaron Judge gets back. Bottom it, line. There's also been reports that Aaron Judge would want to play through so, some. Yeah. Play through hurt, I guess. Play through some some pain in that wrist. If he has pain, would you guys want him to play through that pain and, and maybe risk? I don't know what you it could depends. risk with a broken bone, or do you depends. sit him and, and play for next year and really want him healthy next year? It depends. Uh, first off, you've then got four months to figure it out and get well for exactly for for next year, no matter how far they go in the playoffs. But it depends if 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 he can play and not do any worse. Put him back on the field. Yeah, I yeah. think it simply comes down to if you are running the risk of a lingering injury that's going to nag at you, you know, if you play. If you run the risk of getting hurt more, then I don't think you play him. If it's just a, a pain tolerance yeah. thing, then fine. With a broken bone, I don't know if you can make it worse if, if you're playing through pain. I think it would just be a matter of if he has the power in his wrist and he's not that same player. Like, if he's not that same player... Maybe it's not worth having him out there. I don't know. All right. Especially with McCutcheon. All right, Tommy, we're up against the clock. We got to go. We'll wrap up the show with our predictions right after this.